0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, grove.church.
1: Yes, and as usual, if you have any questions, we would love to take some time uh, to answer those. I know we've got kind of an interesting question for the end of this episode, so I'll look forward to that. But if you've got questions as you're reading along, or even something we say sparks kind of a thought or a question, feel free to Send those in to us at info at grove.church. You can just shoot us a quick email, or you can jump on our Grove Church Facebook page. Uh, we're the Grove Church in Washington State. You can give us a like while you're there, but you can just direct message us. We get those questions there as well, and would love to spend time answering those questions for you. So feel free to do that as you're listening along or reading along. Reading along. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And as far as resources that we're using today, we have, um, as always, the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, Reformation Study Bible, and then The Essence of the Old Testament, a survey by Ed Hinson and Gary Yates. So there you go. Kind of the the standard hitters at this point that we use. Um, So today we want to talk about Exodus. Exodus is the second book of the Bible and also the second book of the Pentateuch. And Mm -hmm. it's really the first one um, of the five books written by Moses. It's the first one that deals with his life specifically. So in Genesis, we don't hear anything about Moses. He's writing these things down in Exodus. We actually get really, it really mostly is the story of, as far as the human characters involved, it's the yeah. story of Moses. So well, Aaron's what's in interesting about
1: Moses, even I was reading, about. I actually read it this morning because I think I'm a few days ahead uh, of our reading plan, but just the, the different relationship we experience uh, between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Moses. Yeah. Um, God even reveals himself. He says this with like, I'm, i was, I'm, I revealed myself as God Almighty to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, but I never revealed my, to them. I've never been called by Lord, and uh, so it shows a different dynamic of Moses' Moses' relationship with God versus what we experience in Genesis uh, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's just that's I think that's the fun thing that we get to see more about the intimacy and the relationship that Moses had with God yeah. through the Book of Exodus, where it starts.
0: And up until this point, it has been a um, a hereditary. Revelation, if that makes sense, where it's Abraham's son, Isaac, gets it. um, And then Isaac's son, Jacob, gets it. And then Jacob's son, Joseph, is kind of like the main one. And then all of a sudden, Moses is just one of the people of Israel. He's not necessarily like in direct line from... I mean, he is in the... He's in the tribe of Levi is where he comes from, but which Exodus is very quick to point out when it talks about the story of Moses. It says, and his mother, a Levite, and his father, a Levite, said to themselves. It's kind of funny. But yeah. anyway, not jumping too far ahead. Just to kind of introduce the book here for a second. Um, it was most likely written by Moses during the period of wandering along with the rest of the Pentateuch. Um Yeah. Basically, Jesus calls Exodus the book of Moses. So we have that evidence. And then there's not really any compelling evidence to think otherwise. Um, The only part of the first five books of the Bible that we know isn't written by Moses is the end of Deuteronomy, where it talks about how Moses died. (laughs) And then the rest of it is pretty much like, yeah, seems seems to check out. Um, And I thought this was interesting. I didn't know this before, but... The name Exodus is taken from the Greek title of the book, um, which is Exodus in the Septuagint. That part I knew, but um, it means exodus or departure. The Hebrew name of the book is names. So, Oh, you did, didn't know that? I did not know they that. They didn't teach you that in school? Nope. I, was, they, I skipped that class apparently. Right, I believe
1: it. You skipped that session.
0: Uh, but yeah, that's taken from the first section, uh, which names the sons of Jacob who came mm-hmm. into Egypt. So there you go. I forgot the name of Leviticus, but we talked about that as a fun fact, too, when it was there. But Yeah, I don't remember it that. was, the that was writing, a long time The ago. writings, maybe? Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Um, and then the, the big controversy about Exodus is really when did the Exodus happen? Um, if you watch Prince of Egypt, you're like, oh, Ramses II. He was Pharaoh during this whole thing, which, you know, not necessarily a knock on Prince of Egypt. Love the movie. But uh, there's two dates that are given for the Exodus, the first one is an early Exodus taking place in 1446 BC during the reign of Amenhotep II. And then the late Exodus would be in 1290 BC during the reign reign of Ramses II. Um, And so we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. What I will say is this, um, all of the biblical evidence points to an early Exodus. Mm -hmm. And so the only reason that you would go um, late Exodus is essentially... When you're looking at the archaeological data, you're saying there's not a ton of evidence of things happening thousands of years before. So, And, and that's, a, uh, that's a fair thing to think about. For me, usually, though, I think archaeology has pretty well proven to support the biblical narrative of events. Um, and when questions like that have come up, like the famous one is um, the Hittites people didn't think they existed until I forgot when it was, but it was recently within modern history that it was discovered like, Oh no wait, Here's the Hittites. And this is where they were. Um, David was thought to be more of a legendary character until it was actually discovered. Like, so there's th- it's things like that where um, I think over time, archeology, archeology has proven to really back up the story of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I just, I trust the internal sources there. Um, but either way, that doesn't necessarily change the meaning of the book one way or the other, whether you buy into the late Exodus or the early Exodus. So, And there's, yeah, there's ways you can, there's ways you can square it with scripture both ways. Um, And then Exodus finally, as far as an outline goes, can be pretty easily split into two sections, a narrative section detailing the Israelites escape from Egypt, and then the beginning of the law um, and also Moses flipping out, but we'll get to that here. Oh, it's it's awesome. It's one of my favorite (laughs) passages of the Bible. Uh, But yeah, just to kind of start, from the beginning here, because it's a very good place to start. Uh, The first six chapters of Exodus are really setting up, you know, the setting of the book and then also the call of Mm -hmm. Moses. Um, So Exodus opens up by telling us the situation, how the situation had changed in the years since the end of Genesis, which this is actually, I I think it's pretty interesting because when Joseph arrives, he's kind of a big shot. Or yeah. when Joseph's family arrives, I should say. Joseph is second in command. He's a good deal. They're gifts, they're not gifts, they're guests of the um of the second in command of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And they live pretty well. And then at some point something changes. Yeah. Um, and I forgot. I should have written down the name. I can't remember. Um but the the line is there arose a Pharaoh. Um well here I'll just read the passage yeah. really quick. In uh Exodus chapter one, verses eight through twelve it says now there arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, in uh, store cities, Fithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. Hard so to insecure leader. Yeah. So, so, in case something bad happens, it's true. Um, but yeah, when, when the Bible talks about there arose a king in Egypt who did not know Joseph, one of the interesting interpretations I saw of that was there was actually um, a line of Semitic pharaohs. And then, which would mean they're from the same, or at least from culturally in this, and they're similar to the Israelites. And then that dynasty ends and another dynasty begins. Hmm. So, and it happens before the reign of Amenhotep. So it's saying that could have been when the switch actually happened is when the Semitic pharaohs were kind of done. Interesting. So, you know, and again, who knows, but. That's a close handed issue for sure. If you don't believe this, then are you even a Christian? Yeah, (laughs) right. So. That's a joke. That's a sarcastic joke.
1: Sorry if we offended anybody.
0: (laughs) Anyway, uh, so Moses is born during an intense uh, persecution where all male children of a certain age were to be killed. So Pharaoh orders that all male children are to be essentially slaughtered. Mm -hmm. Um, So Moses' mother placed him in a basket. I mean, this is kind of a famous story. If you grew up in church, you know about this. Um, She puts it in the Nile. Technically, it says the river, but I mean... The, whatever the yeah, river is, I suppose. Word. Uh and then where it was found by Pharaoh's daughter,
1: or where he was found, sorry, by Pharaoh's daughter and raised. So there mm-hmm. you go. It's kind of interesting. Also I still have vivid memories of flanograph boards as a kid Ooh. growing up. Remembering seeing the story play out. I remember making my own little basket. Uh it was totally 2D flat paper, but I made it. So Dude, I Dude, like I it. totally remember the story. <laughs> uh, never I've never seen Prince of Egypt, so I don't know how to see Oh, yeah. really? I've never yeah, I've never had an interest. Oh, that's
0: in great. It. Kids will love it. Sure. What? I'm telling you, great no music,
1: promises. great music too. Uh, anyway, so he
0: he lives he lives in the court of Pharaoh for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, this is one of those things where it's kind of funny how in popular culture, and I think a lot of it is just kind of due to Prince of Egypt, but there's other things too. Like it's kind of hinted <laughs> at that um, that Moses isn't aware of his Jewish heritage or his Hebrew heritage. Yeah, and it's surprising. It, yeah, and then all of a sudden he's like, what? Wait a minute. But like, no, the Bible makes it pretty clear that like, Um, it's not like an accident that Moses' mother is found. Like she seeks out the mother of the child Mm -hmm. and then she lets her like wet nurse for Moses, which is really cool for for her to be able to still have that experience with her son. Mm -hmm. Um, And Moses pretty clearly grows up understanding that he's an Israelite. So even though he's in the court of Pharaoh and, and presumably receiving that education, he's aware of who his family is. And he's also aware of his heritage. Yeah. And
1: you see that play out in different, you know, different moments, especially one of the more famous ones, which we'll get to in a bit, but um, there's not a lot to indicate he was blind. He was unaware. Right.
0: So there we go. Um, Eventually, and this is what Aaron was just alluding to. Eventually uh, Moses would kill an Egyptian and he would go on the run to Midian where he would meet his wife and father-in-law. So yeah, Moses sees um, an Egyptian taskmaster, a few task task master geez that's a hard one to say (laughs) Uh, abusing one of the Israelite slaves he gets really mad Um, he kills the man in anger knowing that this is against law and he'll get a lot of trouble he ends up running away he goes to the land of Midian um, where he meets Jethro Mm -hmm. and Jethro kind of takes him in he lets him be a shepherd for some of his flocks and then he also meets Zipporah who is the daughter of Jethro and that would be Moses' wife so what? there you go that's where they meet Uh, And if you're surprised, uh, you know, she doesn't really factor into the story a lot until we get to the The question. Yeah, we got a question at the end.
1: (laughs) It's a perfect question for this
0: week. (laughs) But yeah, it came in, I told told, uh, our listener, it came in right before we started recording. I was like, ooh, good timing because we're doing it on XS this week. Um, But there you go. So that happens. Anyway, um, Moses, after living for a a good amount, I believe it's 40 years years that he spends. 40 years in the desert, yes. Yeah, so he spends a good amount of time Uh, shepherding his father-in-law's flocks. When all of a sudden uh, this happens and we're going to read, it's going to be a longer chunk, but I think it's kind of important to read because there's, there's a lot of things that are happening here. So famous part of the story, Moses is walking. He sees a bush that is burning, but not being consumed. So in other words, it's not turning black and falling into ash, but it's just kind of continuously burning. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, Moses approaches it and then it turns out that it is, it's God. God is talking to Moses through this bush. He's using this as a sign. Mm-hmm. And then we get this. Uh, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I have heard their cry because you of the... the Holy ground moment. You skipped that part. I did. You, sorry. It's a very pivotal part of the story. <clears throat> so God tells Moses, take off your sandals cause it's Holy ground. <laughs> uh, And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to that land, uh, to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites and all the other rights. Uh, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you I have sent uh, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain." Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people and, and if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell him? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. God also says, uh, said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So we have a couple of really important things that are happening there. Um, number one, call of Moses. That's kind of the obvious one, right? Yeah. So God is saying, Moses, you're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to secure the release of the people of Israel. Um, but second, now say even more pivotal is God revealing his name mm-hmm. and God revealing how he wants to be known. And yeah. so, and for those of you who don't know that's it's Yahweh is what that translates to. Um, but that is like the official name of God that he's known as mm-hmm. by the, uh, and in fact, it's, it's interesting because um, the Israelites were so afraid of taking, you know, the, of breaking the commandment to take his name in vain that they wouldn't even write it out fully. Yeah, so remove all the vowels. Yeah. All the vowels are gone. Um, so we kind of just, say Yahweh, but it could be like any other combination of, of yeah. sounds like it could be. Um, but yeah, in, in this moment, God is revealing himself yeah. fully, which is kind of, or not fully, but he's revealing himself
1: much more than he has in the past, which yeah. I think is really cool and really interesting. Well, and I love the humanity of Moses shown in this in this chapter, even, even in that section too, because here's you know, the other side of it is like Moses is this depictor of like, he sees god you know the glory of God from behind like he he perform you know he he leads the exodus out of egypt he you know does some blatant things in rebellion um, which then removes him from accessing the promised land where he gets to go on a mountain to see it before he dies um, to see the land that, he's, that his people are going to inherit but Um, I mean, Moses went multiple times back and forth to God saying, God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not a good speaker. God, I don't know if I can do this. Um, And even in this deep revelation of who God is, God revealing himself in such a way, Moses's response is still... Uh, but isn't there someone else? Like, yeah. can't you choose someone else? Like, I, I, I stutter. I, I'm not clear. I, uh, and so, I, I love that it portrays the humanity of Moses too. And I know we're not doing a big character study of Moses, but it is his penmanship. It is his authorship. And so, it's important to realize that too. You see, you will see this play out in the Book of Exodus in his fight of this humanity understanding God's call and resting through all the tension that plays out. So,
0: and I love that God's answer to Moses is like when he says, "You know, I'm not very eloquent." Um, God's like, no, Moses, you're the bomb. Don't, don't say that about yourself. God's answer is I will be with you, Yeah, which I think is really cool. And then eventually he gets so mad at Moses. He's like, you know what? Fine. Aaron will join you as well. Yeah. So who knows what, who knows how big of a role Aaron would have played in the history of, of the Bible. If, um, if Moses just had a little bit more confidence, so. but uh, anywho, so Moses goes back, uh, like we just alluded to, um, Aaron is there as well. They stand in front of Pharaoh. They uh, relay God's command to let, the people of Israel go, Pharaoh, uh, says no. And so again, also one of the more famous passages of the Bible, uh, there's 10 plagues that come Mm -hmm. across of Egypt and we're not going to have time to go over all 10 of them, but I know I just watch the Prince of Egypt. There you go. I actually like going through all 10, but, um, the reason I do is because it's really, um, Yahweh's assault on, um, on life in Egypt, yeah. if that makes sense. And so the very first one is showing that God has complete control over the Nile. And if you, if you don't know about Egyptian history and culture, their whole culture is built around the Nile River mm-hmm. and how predictable it is with flooding, because that's how they get agriculture going. And yeah. that's one of the reasons that... Um, in early history, the the first civilizations to arise <clears throat> are the ones that can farm next to rivers and water sources. And so that's where you have Egypt and you have Mesopotamia are the two areas in and, yeah. and, and eastern China is where all this happens. And so um, Egypt has been – Egypt is very long and prosperous. It's yes. been around for a long time. Uh, one of my favorite fun facts to share is that Cleopatra lived um, – She lived closer to the invention of the iPhone than she did the construction of the pyramids. That's how long Egypt had been around. So if that makes sense. So it's been a long, it's been a long time. Uh, But all of that happens. I've never heard that
1: before. That's interesting.
0: Really? Yeah. So there you go. You learned
1: something. I learned something.
0: You think of the pyramids as being built like not that long ago or even by the Israelites, but no, they've been around for a long time. Um, So anyways, all this is going on. Yahweh's flexing his uh, his power over the Nile. All of the plagues are kind of attract, um not attracting. All of the plagues are attacking different gods of Egypt mm-hmm. or different things that the Egyptians hold very dear.
1: Um and, that and that's ulti- why Evan likes to go through all the 10 commandments. Yeah, cuz you know, it's fun. Uh, and then it's not just random like, "Oh, here's some locusts. Oh, here's some frogs. Oh, here's, you know, blood in the in the Nile." Like, no, there's there's God is very very strategic yep. and very very clear in what he's doing. So. And it's not a thing. Maybe one day we'll have a thematic episode and we'll just work through those.
0: Ooh. It's not a coincidence that the final two, uh, plagues are blotting out the sun, which is Ra, Mm -hmm. the God Ra, Um, and then showing God's power over death, which would be Osiris is the Mm -hmm. other God. And those are kind of the two big cults that were worshiped in Egypt. Those are kind of the two main gods, if you will. So, um, yeah, God knows what he's doing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So all that happens finally after, uh, God and kind of a bit of irony as well, where he, uh, where the Pharaoh, this isn't the same Pharaoh, but a Pharaoh commanded that the firstborn sons of Israel all be killed. God then kills yeah. all of the firstborn. It doesn't just specify sons. It's just all the firstborn, Yeah, firstborns in general Animals. of Egypt are taken out, uh, except for uh, the houses that have the blood of sacrifice over them, which is where we get Passover, Passover because yep. the uh, the angel of death passed over
1: those houses. Yep. So there you go. So as we come into Easter, right? I don't know why. It's close to Easter, I yeah. believe. Yeah. But as we come into it, you'll see there's even on the calendar now today, like there's a Passover um holiday thing. And it always it always bums me out too that I think um I think we do
0: lose something by not celebrating those days as Christians. And not that they're hmm. like these high holy days that yeah. like need to be, but um I do think it's good to like actually stop in remembrance of not just like I say just like Easter and Christmas are incredibly important for sure. (laughs) But like there is, there, there's other things in the history of, of God and his people that I think are good to take a moment and, and reflect on and remember. So, you know, this Passover, think about it. Uh, So anyways, we're going through all that. After the final plague, Pharaoh relents and allows the Israelites to go. They make their way to the Red Sea where they are pursued by the Egyptian. And in perhaps the most famous miracle
1: of the Bible, God splits the Red Sea and the Israelites walk straight through. Yeah, The other side of this, too, is in this portion of the story, you see God's fulfillment of promise when he first called Abraham or Moses, not Abraham, sorry, um, where God said, you're not only going to be delivered, but you're actually not going to leave empty handed. Uh, and so when when Pharaoh finally relents, they're actually then sent with a bunch of stuff like wealth and prosperity yeah. to get them on their journey uh, and you see that as they leave Egypt, you see the fulfillment of god's promise to Moses when he first was called, which is kind of unique and cool too to see that play out
0: yeah no that's absolutely true god god doesn't uh he fulfills his promises that's one of the great things oh, for about sure it. Um, so yeah, this incredible moment happens. Uh, the people of Israel are being pursued by the Egyptians, God splits open the Red Sea. They walk right through, and then it collapses again, killing the Egyptians—or at least we presume killing the Egyptians. Uh, yeah. I, if they'd survived, that'd be interesting. I mean, I'd be props to them. Yeah, and, so. well,
1: and I think this is where you see—and and this is just me—but um, I think this is where you start to see the demise of the Egyptian dynasty. Um, is is a part about this time um, because you lose you lose Pharaoh and all of his men and all the warriors and stuff like that. Um, but everything shifts historically over to where you see some of the, the Israelite. Yeah, if you hold to um, the old
0: exodus or the the early exodus, I should say, it's only a few hundred more years of Egypt kind of being a ma- like the mm-hmm. major power and it starts to decline. If you hold to a late exodus, it's right after this, which would be um, – because usually I think Ramses II is kind of recognized as the last yeah, like the last great, great pharaoh. pharaoh and then – after that account kind of declines. So there you go. Uh, and then we begin uh, the period of the wandering, which really takes up the whole rest of the Pentateuch. So from Exodus chapter 15 to the end of Deuteronomy, it's just the Israelites. Um, wandering in in the wilderness, Um, not always as punishment that comes later. But in the beginning, they're just kind of making their way up to the land of Canaan. And then when they get there, stuff happens that doesn't happen in the book of Exodus. We won't really talk about that much, but God gets pretty mad. And he's like, you know what? Forget you guys, forget this generation. I'm waiting for all of you to die. And then we're going to go in again, except for Joshua and Caleb, you guys get to live. So
1: good job, Joshua and Caleb.
0: Way to go. Way to not be cowards anyway. So, uh, but going through, we get a couple of faithless. There you go. Uh, we get a couple famous stories. Um, we get the story of uh, manna falling from heaven. Mm-hmm. So obviously in the wilderness, it's hard to find food, much less food to feed um, hundreds of thousands get angry of people. when they don't have food. Exactly. So God causes uh, basically really good bread to fall from the sky. Yep. People of Israel are visual thankful for a little while. And then I don't believe it's an exodus that they start to get grumpy about it. Maybe it is. I don't remember, but at some point they get grumpy about not liking it anymore. And then God's like, you know what you guys, I don't remember now either. Bunch of turkeys.
1: Um, so he gets, it wasn't Turkey though. The bird that came didn't wasn't Turkey. That is
0: true. Uh, also famous stories, water coming from a stone. So they need water. Um, this is the part where twice,
1: by the way, it happened twice.
0: Yeah, that's true. And Moses is kind of like, you know, he's, he's being a little bit of a show off here. And then, uh, God doesn't take very kindly to that. And nope. that's when it's actually revealed that, you know Hey, you're not going to yeah, make blat- it all the way. He blatantly
1: rebelled against God in the second go. Uh, and the first, the first time he, God brought water from a rock, he struck it. He was instructed to strike it with his staff. So he struck it with a staff, water gushed out, and satisfied the thirst of the Israelites. The second time, God told Moses to speak to the rock. And something happened between when God told him, to, we don't know what it was, but something happened between when God told him to, do, to speak to the rock and he sn- stood before the Israelite people uh, that he struck the rock. And my my opinion, my perspective is I think he's just an angry guy. <laughs> Could be. Uh, we see anger. I mean, he killed an Egyptian out of anger. Uh, True. His, so I just think you see anger a lot in Moses' life. Um, and you see this, um, almost this angry response. Um, forgetting what God told them. Uh, And he struck a rock again in front of the Israelites and water gushed out because God is faithful to provide. Uh, But that act of rebellion, of negligence, if you will, is what cost him walking into the promised land.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As part of God's people. Uh, We also get the story of the first war that the people of Israel are involved in. And then we get... uh, It's the Amalekites, right? Yes. And then... Uh, Jethro comes in and he's kind of just Moses is like, Hey, look, I'm doing this look and, how great I am. Exactly. And Jethro's like, Hey, you know, have you thought about um, here on staff we call it delegate and celebrate? But essentially that's what Jethro does, where he's like, yeah. Hey, you should appoint leaders over these different things. So he gives him some good old some good old father in law advice. Yeah.
1: So. And you see a humble moment with Moses where he actually heeds the advice. True. Um, heeds the advice. So Yep,
0: Jethro and Moses, good relationship. Uh, we won't talk about the future of Israel and Midian relationships, but you know, it, it goes it goes south by the time Gideon rolls around. Unfortunately. Uh, so, anyways, after this, uh, we get the second half of Exodus, um, or at least as far as like the way that we break it up, the yeah. covenant at Sinai, uh, and this is the part of Exodus that we don't talk about as much. So, I think most people, if you've grown up in church, you know almost everything we just talked about mm-hmm. is kind of their famous Bible stories, especially like, you know, the 10 plagues, the 10, uh, well, the 10 commandments we're about to talk about, I guess that part's famous, but yeah, the 10 see, plagues. Yeah, I and then
1: the well, uh, We spend some time,
0: sometime. That's fair. Uh, all right. So between 19 chapters, 19 and 31, this is a huge chunk of scripture. Moses goes up to the top of Mount Sinai and, uh, he basically just gets the law downloaded into him. So God is giving him all these instructions, uh, this is where we get the passage of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a very famous passage in Exodus. Um, we also get the confirmation of God's covenant with Israel, um, instructions for the Ark of the Covenant. So after the covenant is made, there's this whole thing that's supposed to be built to basically symbolize the covenant with certain items to be put inside. Mm-hmm. Um, instructions for the tabernacle, which is the first temple. Um, as far as it's not the temple in the sense of a permanent structure building, yeah, but it's a tent
1: that would be set that's up a nomadic version exactly. of the temple that we see further in the old Testament.
0: And this would be the place where God's presence dwells all the way up until Solomon when the temple is finally built. So this is a big deal. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also instructions for how the priesthood would work. So we're get, we're beginning to get the, the beginning of Israelite culture. Oh man, hit the mic. <laughs> we're beginning. I might edit that out. I might keep it in there. I don't know.
1: We're not perfect people,
0: um, but we're beginning to see the the beginnings of Israelite culture and also what's called, you know, First Temple Judaism yeah. is
1: is kind of coming to be here. You start seeing this structure and this um, this framework for uh, God's people becoming God's people yep. uh, in in soci- in a societal way. Um, but and we get um, the very first. I don't want to
0: say the very first, but we get the the hints that. Uh, God and Israel's covenantal relationship is not always going to be perfect because yeah. we have this cycle. It starts here. Um, it goes all the way through judges, all of the Kings, basically in history. Yep. Uh, that God would give the Israelites covenant. They would break covenant and then God would allow uh, calamity to happen to them. They would repent and then God would protect them again. And it just kind of happens and happens, and happens. So Moses goes up, For, I think it's 40 days. Yep. Yeah. 40 is a good number. Yeah. The Bible likes to, God likes to use it a lot.
1: 40 days, 40 years, 40 days of flood, 40 years of wandering, 40 days of Sinai covenant. 40 days of fasting for Jesus. It just happens. It happens a lot. 40 is a, there's gotta
0: be something there. There you go. Uh, So all of that, all of that happens. Moses comes back down from the mountain, or I guess actually before he comes back down from the mountain here, I'll read the, uh, what happens here. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. I also love- Wait um, a minute, your people? So yeah, when I was a kid- I listened to uh, Bible like cassette tapes by called by, by a guy named Mr. Henry. I'm still surprised you know what the cassette tapes are, dude. I had oh, I had a cassette. I had a portable cassette player with they headphones. They go on your belt. It was with the belt clip. It. I didn't wear belts as a kid, but I think I just put it in my pocket probably. But all of that being said, shout out to Mr. Henry, you're the bomb. But he like during this passage, it's ingrained into my head that like he re- he reads this and then as Moses, he goes, oh, so now they're my people. Now that they're rebelling, all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, that happens. They have turned aside, uh, reading, continuing verse, verse eight. eight. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people, which is, that's a phrase that gets repeated a lot <laughs> as uh, well. A lot. Uh, now, therefore, which basically just means stubborn, by the yep. way. And it's not, and it's not
1: false. <laughs> it's yep. very true. Nope.
0: God, God doesn't lie. Uh, Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may, I may make a great nation of you. So God is essentially saying, I'm going to do a mini Noah right now where we're just, we're, we're getting rid of them. Yep. And then you can start over with you support and your sons. You can be the new people of Israel. Um, But Moses implored the Lord of God his God and said, "O oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with a great power and with a mighty hand? I love how Moses flips it back to like your people. There you you brought your people out Oh man. by your great hand. Uh, why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all the land that I have promised. I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people, which is all, it's one of the only passages in the Bible where God changes his mind, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, And it, it gets into really weird theological questions because I don't think God was wrong in the sense of like he had every right to do what he was about to do. And maybe it's not changing his mind in the sense of like Moses actually convinced him. But I think there is um, a reminder of, and here's what I think is important. The argument that Moses uses against this would be that it would be a poor reflection on God's glory. And I think that's, I think that's what's an important thing because a lot of times when, when, even when we ourselves pray, it's it's about us, mm-hmm. right? And Moses' argument is fully about like how will this look to all of the other nations of the yeah. world when you delivered your people out of Egypt and all of a sudden this happens. So it's kind of it's an interesting passage for sure. We don't have a ton of time to get into like all of the all of the threads that you can yeah. pull out of this. And well, kind I think of it's really interesting discuss. too,
1: where Moses, you know, has the opportunity to become a great nation himself. Where it's it, it would no longer become about Abraham, it's like Isaac and Israel or Jacob, because God changes Jacob's name to Israel. But it would become about Moses. Would be the next in line there, and Moses is like, no, 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 no. Like you, you see this moment of humility, but I also think you see this moment of of conviction to the to the greater purpose and the greater call uh, that God is orchestrating here too. But it's, it's funny. I remember as a kid, always thinking like, why didn't you say yes, Moses? Because I know the end of the story. Like I know, right. I know how stubborn, how ridiculous. I mean, these people and his response to them is what caused him to miss out on the promised land, and he doesn't know that right now. But it's just it's interesting to uh, you know reading from. Uh, I see the end. Um, it's kind of like, why didn't you say yes? Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> it might've been different. Well, I think,
0: yeah, it is just a really interesting passage. Um, I forgot to mention at the beginning, Joshua also went up with Moses. Um, he's not with Moses when like the laws. is Yeah, he's down not there, that part, but... But he's he's up on the mountain he won't with be, Moses. He went into the smoke. There you go. So anyways, uh, continuing on. So Moses pleads for the lives of his people. God um, acquiesces, but... Uh, We also get this passage where uh, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a noise of war in the camp. But he said, (laughs) it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. As soon as he came near to the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses's anger burned hot uh, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Um, this phrase like burned with anger, it happens in the Bible and it it always happens when people are about to go fully scorched earth. Um, mm-hmm. I always think of Elihu and Job where it says like, before he even begins his speech, it's just ripping into everyone. It's that he burned with anger is the whole idea. Um, and so he uh, took through the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. So the, and these are the tablets on which the law had been deposited. Uh, he took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire, and ground it into powder, and scattered it on the water, and made the people of Israel is so drink crazy. it. This is my favorite thing that Mo, so Moses is is pleading for the lives of his people, and he's pleading for mercy, but he is not going soft on them either.
1: Well, and I, I, th- I wonder if he was an, unaware of the the extravagance that could be. Uh, and and I can almost picture this moment like God's with is talking to Moses, most like, okay, I'll go down. He walks down. Joshua's like, "Hey, there's there's sound of war coming from the." Cannon. And Moses is like, "That's not war. That's singing." And we like, it's almost like this. I, I just see this movie esque portrayal of like this play out thing, and all of a sudden it was like, "What the?" And it's almost like he regrets yeah. not sin- or <laughs> fighting for his people, but but yeah. So, and so
0: and so Moses takes himself, yeah he takes the idol, he grounds it into powder, and he makes them drink it, drink it. which is just, just drink it. great. Yeah. Um, which I think there's a couple things happening there. Number one, it's turning this idol into excrement, which I think is not, it's not an accident that that's happening. Um, and then number two, I th- we, we really are seeing how revolutionary the idea that there is one God and we worship him alone is. Because mm-hmm. it, it instantly... The people of Israel wanted to make other gods. Yeah. They wanted to worship like a pantheon of gods, like the Egypt Egyptians had tons of gods. The yeah, Canaanites the culture influenced
1: them. Yep, had a ton of gods. Dude, I remember reading somewhere that I wish I, I probably should have tried to revisit it. I don't remember where it was. I, I've ever since I've I've read it, I've not remembered. Um, but like the whole intent of the Israelite people was not to worship another god, but was to create an image to represent God who delivered them. No, oh, it could be, and and so when the plea was given to Aaron, and this you'll see this in the, in the in the book of Exodus, you say, we don't know what happened to Moses. He could have died for all we know. Make us a God so we can worship the God who saved us, like the God who who delivered us. Like their heart is to work just, and I think this is why I think it's so important to always remember, I think we talked about this in a podcast last year, uh, but this idea that like, we're created worshiping, that's who we are. Like God mm-hmm. created us, not as worshipers, not to, but we're created worshiping, we're actively worshiping. Uh, and you see this in no better picture than this right here where you, where you see this like create an idol for us? We want to worship uh, because it's who that it's 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 ingrained in the fabric of who they are, yeah. uh, and it's misguided. I mean that's the that's the cause of the reality of humanity. It's all misguided, but well, this is interesting too because
0: I remember watching um, it was some video about like a, an atheist arguing against the Bible, but one of his points was. Um, like when you when you look at archaeological evidence the Israelites weren't monotheistic like they worshiped other gods like the he's basically saying like the idea that they only worshiped Yahweh is a creation later and like, like I was like watching I'm like yeah like like the whole Bible is about how the Israelites worshiped other gods and they kept getting rebuked for it and they mm-hmm. kept getting and the kings would have to come and throw it on the poles but if you if you if you reach the poles they'd throw it on the idols and the Asherah poles and all these different things but if, when you read through kings and chronicles Um, if your takeaway from that is that the Israelites for the most part only worshiped Yahweh, like that's the wrong takeaway. Like, yeah, the whole,
1: the whole book, (laughs) the whole book is about God's desire, um, but it doesn't actually play out. Yeah.
0: And it, it is true that you don't see the people of Israel. You don't see it really start to take hold in their hearts until after the exile. And then when you see Ezra, Nehemiah, um, and Zerubbabel, That kind of happens, and then by the time of of Christ, you see it's really taken hold, Mm -hmm. and where now there's no really there's no real um, worry about uh, monotheism happening or not polytheism happening there. So,
1: anywho, even though it still happens in the world around them, right for for the you know the Israelite people, Jewish people, they learned their lesson. Mm -hmm. So good for them. Uh, Yep the gold the gold made a difference.
0: All it took was exile (laughs) for hundreds of years. So
1: there's an unfortunate truth to that too.
0: Oh man. Anyways. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, and uh, just to finish up here, and Moses said to Aaron, "What did this people do that uh, to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them?" And Aaron said, "Let not the anger of my lord burn hot." Uh, When he says my lord, he's referring to Moses. There, Uh, you know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, "Make us gods who shall go before us." As for this Moses, the man who Brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, Let any who has Gold, take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Out came this calf. So there's two things that could be happening here. Number one, and I think this is the more likely one, Aaron is lying. <laughs> and they, they they crafted this thing. But he's like, Moses, I just threw all the gold into this fire and then this calf came so out. So it had to be God. Um, it, I mean, it also could be like something demonic going on. But mm. I like I like just to think that Aaron's lying in this moment. So And we don't really get an answer one way or the other. It depends. it fully depends on whether or not you believe Aaron as to as to what happened yeah. there. Yeah. It's true. Uh but anyway, getting back to uh what's going on here. Um oh, scrolled to the wrong part of my notes. There we go. Uh so Moses would go back up to the mountain and he would receive the law again. There's the whole thing of covenant
1: renewal that Didn't happens. Did he get rebuked, do by God for breaking the commandments the tablets? I don't remember. Oh, I should have. Remember. Don't, don't take my word that down. for that. Uh, and then Exodus oh, came from Prince of Egypt. Okay, I'm just again. kidding.
0: Uh, Prince of Egypt ends before the bad parts. I was just kidding. Of course it does. It's, <laughs> a, it's, it's, a, it's a kid's movie. You don't see, you don't see Moses grind the, uh, the calf into powder and force them to drink it in Prince of Egypt. Uh, anyway, Exodus then ends with the tabernacle being erected. And then the, there's this really cool moment where like essentially the glory of God, the glory of Yahweh yeah. just fills the, I, I wrote temple in the notes, but ta- it fills the tabernacle. And then it's kind of established that, This is where the glory of God dwells. So really cool passage. Um, I I always feel bad when we do these episodes on like really long books because it's hard. You can't, you just can't touch on everything. This is
1: a total overview.
0: Yep. So very
1: much 30,000 feet. As you read it though, again, just to read out the questions as you read it and things come up, send those questions in. Like we're more than happy to take time answering those questions. We're going to spend the better part of the next month or so reading the book of Exodus. Uh, so I would love for you to, to, to jot down some of those questions, some of those highlights, some of those things and just send them in. Um, so, and if we're beyond Exodus, like we'll still take, take some time to answer Yeah,
0: we, we answer questions about every part of the and Bible. everything and yep. everything. Um, but today we got a question about the book of Exodus. But before we get to that, I do want to remind everyone to please leave us a five star review. Um, if you've been enjoying this podcast, it's one of the best ways that you can help us out because it just continues to get the podcast in front of more people mm-hmm. and grow this community of people reading yeah. the Bible together. So feel free we, to share it. Feel free to comment exactly. on the posts. Just be a part of it. Engage with us. Yep. We'd love for you to do that. So now getting to our Q and a portion question came in. Hi guys. Uh, can you, Oh, hello listener. Uh, can you explain Exodus 424, please per the non-inflammatory version, which is the NIV. Uh, it says at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Why would God want to consider killing Moses right after sending him on a mission? Okay. So this is really weird. Um, and you picked the weirdest chapter or the weirdest portion of Exodus for sure. To talk about, but hey, let's talk about it. So uh, here's the full paragraph of of what's being referenced. So, and this is in the, the ESV. Uh, At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then, Referring Zipporah, to Moses. Yeah, to Moses. Uh, then Zipporah took His a wife. flint and yeah, Moses' wife, uh, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. And it was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. That's it. All right, cool. All right, hope that answered your yep. question. Have a great day. So, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so what's so what's happening here, it's really weird. Um essentially there's a couple things I think are important to take away from this. Number one, God takes his commands very seriously. Mm-hmm. And so the the command of the people of Israel is that um they would be circumcised at birth. And yeah, then, we saw this with Abraham, I believe. Yeah, Abraham is the first um which is bummer for him
1: because <laughs> he was very
0: old because he was an adult and his I think Isaac was an adult at this he was point in days too. Or weeks old yeah so, so he remembers yeah so uh bummer but it happens I don't think Isaac was an adult and I'm thinking about that I think I, I misspoke there but anyway yeah uh but from the future yeah when when sons are born uh the the sign of the covenant that the people of Israel have with God is that they would be circumcised uh Moses does not do this for whatever reason or I believe he, like you said, he does it with his firstborn son, but no. Yeah, so
1: there is. I was reading up on this a little bit too because, uh, right, actually before we we start recording, but it, there is some evidence, and I don't remember exactly where it is. I can open my phone and look, but um, that Moses did circumcise his firstborn, but he didn't do it with this one, this secondborn son, um, and so that's. I think that's part of the issue we're running into. And I think you see. Um, it's kind of just like the the
0: culture that Moses is living in. And we don't know a lot about the Midianites, but it's kind of just, I would assume that they're not part of the Jewish covenant and mm-hmm. that they don't, they're not part of the circumcision. And so maybe there's just kind of like some, I don't want to say pressure, but maybe just kind of like Moses isn't living in that culture. So he doesn't feel the need to do it yeah. or whatever it is. Um, because there are, there are, um, and we talked about this before, there are people groups that worshiped God that weren't the Israelites. Um, The Midianites are a good example of this. And then probably Job is an example of this because it's not referenced that he's in Egypt at all or not Egypt. He's not in Israel at all. Um, (laughs) And then later on in the new Testament, we get tons of stories about they're called the God fears where they're not Israelites, but they worship God. So all that, anyway, all that is happening. So it's showing number one, God's taking his commands very seriously, his covenant. Number two, um, I think it shows weakness in Moses, that hmm. his wife is the one who has to step in and lead where Moses should have been the one to lead. Um, and Zipporah is not, she's not an Israelite. She's a Midianite. Um, and even then she is the one who's holding Moses to the uh, the covenant, to the of, covenant of Israel. Yep. Not, not Moses. So interesting there. And then finally, I think this is another important thing. Um, it shows that Moses is ultimately expendable right. and which is a weird thing to say, but I think a lot of the times we'll read the Bible and we forget that God is the main character. Mm-hmm. Like the story of Exodus is not the story of Moses leading the people of Israel out of Egypt. It's the story of God leading his people yeah. out of Egypt. And so um, I think what it shows, the fact that God was willing to kill Moses in that moment meant that someone else could have been Moses. Yeah. Um, it wasn't that Moses was so special that only he could have done it. And then if Moses died, God was like, shoot, there goes my plan. Like, yeah. no, God is clearly capable of raising up other leaders. So yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot where, um, I forgot where I heard this, this is for uh, forever ago. But the basically the whole idea is you are not the hero of the Bible. God's the hero of the yeah. Bible. We're the um, if you're taking this like the old medieval fairy tales, like we're the princess that God rescues is the, is how, is where we are in, yeah. in scripture. Um, we're not the brave knight who's defeating sin and death. So, yeah. and I think this, this passage kind of just drives that home a little bit. So,
1: yeah, well, I, th- I think you're right. I think there is like, it reveals the, the issue of sin, the issue of um, a lack of covenantal um, follow through in some respects. And I think you see that, you know, going back to the reference that you see there is some of that scriptural evidence that Moses circumcises his firstborn. Um, but I think the other side too is like this is also, um, I'm it's it's interesting because I I kind of am curious. Um, let me let me stop for a second. At the end of the day, I think you see God's wrath poured out upon sin and a, the disconnect of being my people. You cannot be. You cannot do what God's called you to do if you're not staying in obedience and alignment with what he asks you to do. Yep. It's, I mean, James talks about it. We're talking about it tonight in my discipleship because we're recording a little earlier. Well, but now, like, it's, be, now it's your discipleship. Yeah, it is. Because you're I, not there, bro. one week. Listen, when, you, when you don't show up, you don't show up. No. Um, but it's this idea of don't just be someone who listens or hears the word or reads the word, but doers. And and so there is this tension where God is, you know, calling into, he's, he's calling out like, hey, this is where you've not upheld it. Um so I think that's the biggest thing going on right now as you see the lack of follow through from Moses. Um, I'm not like it's funny because I'm not I'm not sure if I agree with you that it's the weakness side of things. I don't know if it's showing weakness necessarily because there is part of me that you know Moses married Zipporah who there was not the same like mindedness in in God and the understanding of who God is. But even Moses was on this journey and wandering, and I mean, yeah. some some scholars say that he walked by this burning bush multiple times before he realized it was burning. Um, and I remember where I remember reading. I mean, one of the things you know, a guy that we love and respect, Heath Adamson, has has alluded to some of that. Whether it's true or not, we don't know. But some scholars have alluded to that. So I think there's part of me that that wrestles with. Um, I don't think Zipporah cutting off the foreskin shows weakness in Moses as much as I think it shows this totality where she's like, "You're a bridegroom of blood to me." Well, it's almost—I can almost see the picture of her submitting to the covenant of Israel hmm. more than protecting her husband from the wrath of the broken covenant. If that makes sense, um, that could be. But that's just the thought, like this, as I'm, as I'm thinking about. Because coming into the conversation, like coming into the questions, like, oh, I, I, I agree. I think you know Zipporah shows a little bit of weakness. And but as I'm reading and looking, I'm like, I don't know if it shows total weakness. But again, it's neither here nor there. What happens is the reason why God is going to, you know, kill as on as bent to kill Moses, is. Because of the broken covenant uh, of the lack of circumcision of the second born, um, so I think that's the biggest thing going on. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too, I, I'm, I'm I'm kind of curious um, about. I don't remember now. So, oh, the word. expendability. Oh. Um, I th- you know, because I agree. I think God can raise up anybody, um, and it do, but it doesn't mean I, I want to be careful not to hear that God or Moses is expendable, meaning the call God gives me doesn't matter. Uh, today, like, let me bring it into today's conversation, uh, because the call of God is irrevocable, right? There is that layer to it, but you're right. I think God, Moses is expendable because it shows like the, the story is not about him. Uh, it's about God glorifying his name with Moses, who's an instrument, um, and Aaron is a part of that because, again, we've already hit the fact that Moses was super resistant and insecure at first. But um, I do think there's that layer to it. It's, it's how am I responding to the call of God because he desires and wants me to be a part of it. But at the same time, he's not hinging all of his bets on me. Uh, mm-hmm. And just like he didn't hinge all of his bets on Moses. Um, you, break, you break the covenant. It shows the, it shows the um, what's the word, the, the lack of platform, one of, one of God's called or people has, because they're just as, they're just as human as the next. And so they're just as likely to be removed when they break covenant and break the, when they break obedience as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that the simple answer is the fact that his son wasn't circumcised, that's a sign of covenant. Zipporah stepped in, saved the day, cut the foreskin off and throw at Moses's feet to show, Hey, we're submitting to this. We missed it. Here we are. And, and you know, God relents, which is good too. So those are my thoughts. And on that
0: note, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. Uh, A couple quick things before we sign off. Um, If this podcast has been a blessing to you in any way um, and you would like to help the Grove Church continue our ministries, you can uh, donate financially at our website, grove.church. There's a give button there. So if you'd like to do that, you are more than welcome. Uh, And then finally, we are a podcast of The Grove Church, but we're not the only podcast of The Grove Church. You can find all of our other resources and podcasts on our website, grove.church. Have a great day.